Is this the basement? It's the lower level. Okay. Salutations, everybody. It's time for another episode of Bald and Bingeable with D'Angelo. I'm D'Angelo, and I'm here to take you through an auditory journey through all the stuff in pop culture that you consume. The stuff you're insatiable for. The stuff you find truly bingeable. (laughs) It's just me and you today here in the pod. So um, thanks for joining. So it's been a couple days a couple minutes, a couple weeks since I've last recorded, uh, and a lot of stuff has been going on in pop culture, so um, we're going to jump around a lot today. Yellow Jackets, Succession, RuPaul's Drag Race, we have some Survivor, Vanderpump Rules, and a bunch of other like little things that are going on. So this is just locked and loaded. Here we go. Let's start talking. Okay, RuPaul's Drag Race. Season 15 has finally come to a close. And um, I actually enjoyed this season. It says something that they're saying that this is the highest watched season in like three seasons. They haven't had these many, this kind of numbers in a long time. Um, Is it because of Sasha Colby? Is it because of the race? I mean, who knows why that is? Probably it has to do with a lot what's going on right now politically out there. But I think that this season... um, it was a lot of good drag queens who actually enjoyed doing drag and who didn't have a chip on their shoulder about it. I, I don't know. I just kind of liked it. Even the mistress of it all, like everybody has this whole thing with mistress Isabella Brooks. I think she's fucking fierce. I like her a lot. I would hire her in a second. Her polish is unbelievable. Yes, she comes for people, but that's just kind of like the drag queen way. So, I mean, just like if you aren't into it, then get out of the dressing room, girl. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, um, except I didn't love her final performance, that whole, her, her, her personal song. Um, it was good. It was cute. So was Anitra's. I personally think that Lux Noir London really had the best original song. And the fact that they had Vincent, you know, Vincent sing this freaking track, I mean, come through. So, I mean, she had it all stacked in there for her. But I think that um, the producers really wanted to see Anitra and um, Miss Sasha Colby take that final lip sync against each other. So I've heard so many different things about the actual taping. I mean, go over to like Sloppy Pod, uh, over the Sloppy Podcast, Sloppy Seconds Podcast with Big Dipper and Meatball. I know that he, she talked about it over there. Meatball did about going with uh, Nicole Byer. Um, so she had a little bit of like an inside track. I, I mean, <laughs> she even told Ross Matthews the famous line uttered by Salinas Titties, Eat my ass, faggot! Um, yeah, she said that. To Ross, very awkward. I know that she apologized in her podcast, but it's just too funny. Ross is a friend of the pod and all, and uh, but <laughs> the fact that like this this can't be something that goes down in his like legacy that people are screaming this at him after he has taken this much time to uh, curate his image and make sure that he is you know America's best gay best friend <laughs> and all of a sudden Selena does this um, but I don't think it's really catching on if it is let me know different but anyways um, 
<laughs> what was I talking about? Okay, back into like the whole Drag Race finale. Uh, I did love Sasha Colby's final number, the goddess number, great. The choreography was on point, the braids, everything about it, very, very well thought out. Um, but I did like Lux's song. Like I'm not, I'm not gonna lie. I just, it's just how I liked it. But that final like lip sync, um, we knew something was gonna happen with that heart that Anitra had on her chest. You know what I mean? Like I knew that that was gonna come out and be a reveal, and it ended up being that big, you know, silk, you know, piece that she had and that she was like kind of spinning around with. But I mean, Sasha Colby wore a fur coat out there a humongous fur coat, takes it off, has on a gown, rips that off, goes down to the bra and panties that we know her for, and then uses said coat as like a bearskin rug to writhe around on the floor and just make herself just look so luxurious and like just, I mean, just picture upon picture upon picture. Let's take it. Um, she's fierce, you guys. Sasha Colby. I mean, like there isn't really a, been a winner like this in a long time who feels established and knows her craft inside and out you know what i mean like it's giving that whole chad michaels vibe of just the consummate professional who's just always ahead of the game and then still has this whole foundation and these roots and drag so just like <clears throat> it's so good the sasha colby story i mean come through with this and the fact that she's been like miss continental this is like bridging that gap the fact that she is a trans you know, performer, trans woman, trans icon. And at this time, what's going on politically, I mean, it's all just so perfect. So the fact that she was able to show up and deliver on RuPaul's Drag Race, the caliber of work that she does, uh, freaking incredible. Personally, um, I think that they should have made her, I mean, Sasha really was the one over Miss Foxy, whatever her name is, um, Sasha should have been Miss Congeniality. You know that. We all know that. She was like the best one probably on set, the best one who was probably helping out, just that she was that girl. And if Mistress wasn't so mistressy and like catty, I bet you she could have even taken it. But it's just one of those things that I've just been thinking about that I um, that's like out there. Other than that, I think it was really, really enjoyable. I haven't had that much fun watching a finale in a while, and so I'm very into it. We're going to switch gears. We're going to keep on going here. So, because um, I think a lot of people beat had to beat the whole RuPaul drag race thing to death, except for they did just come out with this new cast list for the new um, RuPaul's, RuPaul's, RuPaul's drag race all stars, the new season that's going to be coming. Um, RuPaul's Drag Race All-Stars 8, they just revealed the cast. It's pretty stellar. I have to say, I'm loving that Jimbo is back. I think that just Jimbo is just fun TV and a good performer and also has shown us on quite a few iterations of Drag Race now, like Canada versus the world and UK versus the world and Canada, that she's there to play the game and play it in like the new millennia. You know what I mean? So loving Jimbo's on there. But we have Alexis Michelle who's back from season nine. Darian Lake is back from season six. There's something about Darian Lake's new look that is just taking me. She looks freaking fantastic. Uh, Heidi in Closet is back. Love her. Season 12. James Manfield, a season nine favorite. It's somebody who's really blossomed after the show. Like somebody who's like wig line and now she's running around doing those, you know, red carpet kind of things. Very meatball-esque, but in her own way. Um, Jessica Wilde is back from season two. Okay. Okay. Uh, we have Jimbo, who we do love. Um, we have 
Kahana Montrese, um, which is fun. She's from season 11, and I feel like this season, it feels like it should have been like a first out season, but then they just kind of put in other people. But anyways, Kahana Montrese is in this. Her promo picture is her like in a bikini, so I'm not really putting a lot out there for her, but I'm hoping that, that she changes my mind. We got Candy Muse is back. Good TV, y'all. La La Rie is back. Good TV, y'all. Monica Beverly Hills from season five, one of the first trans, out trans performers who came out on the show. One of those girls who showed up, wore boy clothes, and made herself look as masculine as possible. And then halfway through her season was like, y'all, I'm trans. And like, then was sent home. Um, I wonder why that was, but I hope that we have some justice for some Monica Beverly Hills this season. We have Mrs. Kasha Davis is back. Mrs. Kasha Davis, fun. Love her. Uh, I think she's got something to show us. We have Naisha Lopez. Naisha Lopez is one of those, okay, she was season eight. She was a first out queen as well. Um, she's one of those ones who has blossomed majorly after the show and just has kept on it. And I think she's a very respectable queen. She's moved from Chicago to um, LA. And so she's out here. So, and I just know a lot of people who have a lot to do with her. So she's pretty phenomenal, but that's kind of like the cast season this year. I'm hearing from the word on the street is that the, they are not sending or they are sending the girls home this season. And then they're just doing photo shoots afterwards, which I think is stupid. I really like the setup of season seven where they keep all the girls for the whole entire season. And we get this really robust round view of everybody and also get to see everybody's drag. Cause they spend so much freaking money on all this drag that um, it's just a shame that they just let it go and they keep on going with something else. Okay. Let's, switch gears a little bit here. Oh, Coachella, you guys. This is coming up into the second weekend of Coachella. Coachella just happened last weekend and all this drama that happened with Frank Ocean. My viewpoint on it? Bullshit. I'm sorry. I do not know Frank Ocean. If you are a Frank Ocean fan, good on ya. I mean, that is like a Zelia Banks level of problematic and having issues. But uh, the Frank Ocean had requested a ice skating ring and they had professional ice skaters and they they paid for all the stuff and paid all those people and all the rehearsal time and the fact that like all these people got to say like oh i'm gonna be in the frank ocean set at coachella and then all of a sudden this bitch says my ankle hurts something's wrong with it i can't do it and then they have to like scramble and make all the tech people melt the ice and put together a lame stage where people are walking around and then this this motherfucker comes out there in like slippers and he's still jumping up and down and whatnot and now and then has a little tantrum comes off stage you're telling me that these people who you know that you have to wait in line and you have to go and like pop a squat and sit to get a good spot like you remember when like beyonce and anybody else that the headliner that you have to go and sit through all the other headliners to make sure you got that good spot so if you were a frank ocean fan and you took yourself to coachella early you know that you were there at that main stage at five o'clock in the afternoon one o'clock in the afternoon sit through everybody have to sit through bjork's you know experimental set and what she's doing and everything else i don't think bjork fans are really frank ocean fans and you know if they are, good on you. It's somebody that would be kind of like me, except I'm not a Frank Ocean fan. But if it was like a hip-hop and whatever situation. Okay. Anyways, but back into this whole situation. I mean, this, I mean, piss poor. You have like a huge stage to be on. 
is an artist who doesn't even have a catalog really that I think reflects the standing of somebody who should be a top build performer at Coachella. I mean, these are just my personal feelings. Okay, you guys, so this is just what it is. And so we're just we're just shooting off here. But I think it's disrespectful. It's disrespectful to your fans. It's disrespectful to your other people, disrespectful to the other artists. I've heard other things about him complaining backstage that nobody else was like, you know, saying, oh, Frank Ocean's coming up later, blah, blah, blah. Like nobody gives a shit, okay? You know, I think this is really just like, you go from like an artist like a Beyonce in years past or an Ariana Grande or, you know, like Lady Gaga, these people who have tight shows, you know, and really have their stuff put together. And then you have this person who just comes through and drops the ball and it just fails. And it's just and it's a bad look. Everything about it. I just don't respect it. It's an artist that I would never encourage anybody to book. Um, on the professional end and all that. And then can you believe that they are really... Re okay, y'all. They're replacing them with Blink-182. <laughs> so you telling me if I'm a Frank Ocean fan and I got a Weekend 2 ticket, now you're replacing with Blink-182, not even somebody in the same genre, not even somebody... I mean, like, not even the same, like, ear era... I mean, these are it's like, come on, Blink-182 is like late 90s, early 2000s. And now we are like 20 years later and we're going to act like they're brand new. My goodness. I just, I don't know. Um, love Blink-182, but it's just, it's not the same and it ain't going to be the same. Speaking of other headliner situations, um, y'all, uh, San Diego Pride just announced their headliners. It's cute. It's cute. Um, so we got Princess Nokia on saturday you guys know her music um i like you i like him too I like that, 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 you know you guys know her music uh, and it's like pretty much everything that's on tiktok and then the sunday headliner <laughs> is saucy santana they don't know how to hit the middle ground it feels like like last like like they had like melissa etheridge in the past for like that sunday night or a deborah cox and usually they like try to throw it back to like an old school artist or somebody who has like a more established fandom and usually it kind of pitches towards an older crowd because they'll come in they'll like you know to spend the money but apparently Y'all older people were not showing up, everybody 35 and older, because now they are definitely catering to the younger crowd. You know, like last year when they had like JoJo and like um, King Princess and that kind of thing. And so San Diego, we have one of the best prides here in San Diego, I think probably in the country. And I've been to a lot of prides. We just, it's concise. It's set up. Our bars are all near each other. We kind of shut shit down. Our parade is early on a Saturday, so we get it out of the way. So then Saturday night you can rage and go do your thing, and then you have Sunday and then all that kind of thing. But, um, but like up the street, okay, up the street, I say up the street, but over here in like LA for like the WeHo Pride situation, bitches, they got Megan the Stallion and Mariah Carey. For real? For real? Okay, LA got money. Okay, LA got money. I'm just wondering how that happened. I want to know, like, what backroom deals were made? Is this, like, a tax write-off for their agency or for the artist, the fact that they're going to be coming out? Because Mariah Carey is not 
a cheap artist, okay? So, like, probably, like, okay, so we're just, let's, let's pull back the little velvet curtain here. So probably thinking that somebody like a Princess Nokia is probably probably costing anywhere from 40 to, like, 75 k right? Somebody like Mariah Carey is probably fetching a mil to two mil for a private gig. And this isn't even a full show. You know she's going to come out there and do, like, 60 minutes and be done. Um Where's this money coming from? And that's just the artist fee, y'all. You aren't even thinking about the fee for because you have an artist fee. Then you got the hospitality. You have travel buyouts. You got all the people. You got the production. Okay? So, like, just because we're paying Mariah Carey this much to show up, now we have to, like, meet her rider needs. So make sure that her backstage and everything else is up to her par and also her sound, that she has the right microphone. And this is, like... An artist like this, too, it's like she wants a certain type of mic and she wants a certain type of PA and all that kind of thing. So it's just uh, coming from an agent kind of a viewpoint. I'm just wondering what kind of magic was done up there to get these humongous artists uh, or what kind of money? What kind of money are they dealing with? I'm just OK. I'm just talking out of school. <laughs> OK. Um but that's that's just something. So I just wanted to. That's a little bit about the live music situation that is going on right now. Okay, let's discuss Yellow Jackets over on Showtime. Uh, you guys, I really like this show. The first couple times that I tried watching it, I've talked about it before. It just it didn't hit with me. But I finally like grip my teeth and I bared it and I went through and I'm in. I'm locked and loaded. Okay, so the premise of this is that it's 1996. A New Jersey high school girls soccer team travels to Seattle for a national tournament. While flying over Canada, their plane crashes deep in the wilderness and their surviving team members are left stranded for 19 months. The series chronicles their attempts to stay alive as some of the team members are driven to you know, they show in the very, very beginning, you guys. Cannibalism. Trigger. Okay, anyways. <laughs> it also focuses on their lives 25 years later in 2021 following their rescue. So, yes, severe drama for all these young ladies. Um, it's a pretty stellar, stellar cast. Uh, the young cast is like Sophie Thatcher, Jasmine Savoy Brown, um, Sophie Nielsen, you know, like, a lot of like the hot ones who are like out there right now, like the girl from like Stranger Things, a little redhead, she's in this, and then like, um, and then their younger or their older counterparts that play them when they're older is like Melanie Lewinsky, Tawny Cypress, Juliette Lewis, Christina Ricci, Lauren Ambrose. I mean, it's pretty freaking stellar. This cast, um, I, I just love them all. I'm just like I'm completely loving it. It's a lot of these like '90s, early 2000s actresses that are now like, you know in their prime and acting the shit out of this content. Um, the first season, we don't, just if you guys want to, for the trigger of everything, um, the real cannibally cannibally stuff doesn't happen until season two, episode two. Just that's your warning. So that way, if you guys want to watch and fast forward through it, there you guys go. But um, the whole first season is just kind of like this whole setup. And what they do is they flash back and forth. And so somebody is now in 2021, um, is basically asking for they're they're trying to I'm saying ransom but it's not ransom they're essentially they're trying to uh, scam these girls out of money and whatnot and you know just bringing up some of the past things that were happening 
One of the things about the show that I was texting with somebody about earlier this week who's like a big fan of the show is that they're doing a lot of things that are like very set in like realism. You know what I mean? They're on a plane. They're in a crash. People die. (laughs) So real. It sounds so harsh. But, you know, like they're soccer players. They become moms. Some of them are, uh, have drug uh, drug issues, blah, blah, blah. One woman is, you know, uh, trying to become a senator. But they have this other element that they are wrapping into the story through one of the other characters that it's supernatural and they're starting to set up like all this stuff, almost like these Blair witchy kind of, you know, hylographics that are like in trees and whatnot. And they still haven't explained it completely. And they haven't given us the full um, prize when it comes to the cabin that these girls find out in the middle of this wilderness and everything. So in the middle of season two, I am all caught up. The new episode drops like tomorrow. So, you know, I'm going to be on it. Um, but it's a good show, guys. So I would totally say, like, get into it. But that whole supernatural element of it, they haven't woven it in completely, and they haven't really started giving away the the plot, the secrets, the game yet for that part of the uh, that part of the story. So I'm just waiting to see where that comes in and if it's going to be able to like be kept at the same caliber, or if this is just going to become like a Ryan Murphy thing and just start to like, where are these loose ends and how do I tie all this stuff up? You know what I mean? Or is it going to be like lost and that people are just going to be like, it's just how it is and this is how it is and this is how it was and I'm just going to enjoy the show for what it is. You know what I mean? So, but I would say if you are into female drama, uh, you know, a little scary, a little gross, a little wildernessy, you know what I mean? It's, um, it's a good show. It's good shit. So I'm completely into Yellow Jackets right now. So I want to have somebody on the show in the future who is going to be able to like talk about this with me. And so we'll get into like all of the rest of the, um, the ins and outs and what's nots of, you know, the whole Yellow Jacket situation. I did start Succession recently. I have to say, I like it. I like it. Mikey likes it. I like Succession, you guys. And it. this is another one of those shows that took me three or four watches to actually get myself into Locked and Loaded and actually want to participate in, in watching what they were doing. Um, but it's good. It's a lot of talking. It's one of those shows, like a lot of HBO shows, kind of like when I know I talk about all the time, my Gossip Girl reboot, um, but like Gossip Girl or like The White Lotus, that sort of thing, that it's like this show that happens and everything is really well stylized and even the cadence of the people and the dialogue and everything is all kind of within the brand of the show, so to speak. And so uh, it's fun. So it's essentially succession is what it is. It's uh, it kind of feels like it's loosely based on or maybe maybe not even loosely. Let's let's I'm going to look it up. I'm talking to you guys. But they say that it's, you know, kind of based on, like, the Rupert Murdoch, you know, and, like, the whole the, the new situation. Um, but the uh, succession synopsis, let's, let's look this up. The series centers on the Roy family, the owners of Waystar Royco, a global media and entertainment conglomerate who are fighting for control of the company amid uncertainty about the health and of the family's patriarch, Logan Roy. The series 
fourth and final season premiered on March 26th. So see you guys, I'm so jumping on the bandwagon at the last minute here with when it comes to succession. So it's season four right now. I am currently just starting season three. I'm on like season three, episode one. Uh, my good friend Bonnie from Ohio, we have to discuss that. Um, She's probably going to come on the show. We're going to discuss some succession later on because she was like, I need to come on the show. And she's finally watching it. So we have something to talk about. So she'll be here eventually. And we will discuss a lot about the ins and outs of the Roy family and whatnot. I will say it's a fun show. The language is crazy. Um, Shiv, one of the the, the daughter of the the Shiv Roy, uh, her fiance slash who becomes her husband, Tom, I find him so adorable, you guys. I don't know. I just, I have this thing for like mediocre white guys, and he does it for me. Um, but other than that, um, here's the thing though it's like one of these families that you're like, oh, you wanna root for them so they can keep their money. And at the same time, I'm thinking to myself, this is exactly the kind of people that when they say eat the rich, these are the people that we're talking about. These are the people who we need to eat the rich when it comes to them because they are terrible people who stop at nothing to keep their wealth and power intact. And this whole thing about how um, there's there's a whole uh, kind of funny piece. My dog is growling, you guys. I'm sorry. I got distracted here for a second. But there's this whole like funny thing about like no real person involved, you know? And that just has to do with like somebody who is a prostitute or somebody who's not of the money. They're not like real people. And that's how they're like looked at. And so that's one of those things that like this it's just one of these shows that I'm not really like cheering for any of the main characters, but at the same time I'm highly highly entertained. The music is another one of those bops like HBO if I was a DJ, I would totally do a set of all HBO bangers. And that would be like the White Lotus song and the Succession song and the um, drumline from Game of Thrones. Those are all like, like, like they know what they're doing over there on HBO. Like they put a song on and you're like, mm, I'm locked and loaded. I know I'm feeling fancy. This is like the song. And the Succession song is just as good as all the rest of the other TV shows they have going on. But I would say um, watch it. Cousin Greg is becoming one of my favorite characters, even though I think he's annoying as fuck. I don't get everybody's obsession with um, uh, Kieran Culkin because he's an asshole on the show. And he's not even like an asshole that like you want to be with. He's just an asshole. So... Uh, it's just not somebody that I'm falling for, but it's whatever. Um, but do watch it. I'm finding that some people, they get to have some really great spunky one-liners that I know that I'm going to like use in the future when I'm reading somebody the house down boots. Mm, okay. <laughs> so there's that. You guys, I did see that The Marvelous Miss Maisel came back. I have not started it, um, but I will. We'll be discussing that very soon. But what I did watch to completion... <laughs> Love is Blind. Love is Blind was actually a pretty good season, except they really shit the bed when it came to this finale. They were really just like, watch the last episode, and I made it a priority to watch the final episode when it dropped on Friday because I knew that they were going to be doing a live 
you know, reunion on Netflix at 5 o'clock Eastern on Sunday. And it didn't happen after an hour. It didn't happen after two hours. It didn't happen later in the evening. Even the next day, it wasn't even showing up. And so it was a, they just, they really did a bad job. And the thing was, is they had the live feed going from the point that they said it was. And it took about an hour and a half and then some for it to actually get up and going. So people who were able to access the recording the night of had to fast forward through like 90 minutes of just dead air to get to the actual episode. This is like Netflix. I've, I've never seen a catastrophe on this level when it comes to like, we're going to do a live event. And then they just were not prepared. So we'll see how that all goes for the future. But that's a technical part of this. But let's get into the meat part of it. Um, Love is Blind was great. It was it was good. I think this season we had the right amount of people like get together. And I can see a couple of those couples like lasting for some time. Um I do find some of them have some secret darkness inside of them. Uh, let's talk about Bliss first with her, like, horrible, uh, what do you call that? The things that the Kardashians do. You guys are yelling things right now. Her vocal fry. Bliss is vocal fry. Yeah, and so I'm just not sure. And so Ryan is going to know this. Oh my God, this girl's vocal fry. But she is cute. I did like her family. Her dad was a little bit of a bulldog towards this guy because he picked her second. Um, but I think they're going to last. Ryan and Bliss, one of the last couples, uh, you know, he left his girl, Irina, who was a piece of trash to him this whole entire time. Again, this is somebody who, you know, this is a reality show, so we can't base their whole entire, like, life on this, you know, three-week project that they did. But she was pretty terrible, guys. She was so mean and whatnot. But it's just, it's a whole thing. Um, okay, I'm just pulling up this whole, like, love is blind thing, and the first thing that comes up is that Khloe Kardashian is saying she's ready to give love is blind a chance. Um, and she thinks that the single Kardashian girl should go on love is blind. <laughs> you don't think that people would know that it was Kim Kardashian? I don't know if that's Kim's voice, but that's what it is. Um, the other thing, too, about this whole love is blind um, reunion show that they did. So, was Vanessa Lachey was so thirsty, like, for everybody to have a baby. And it was like, what is this unneeded pressure when, like, Kwame and Chelsea were like, we don't want to, like, Kwame didn't want to have kids yet. You know what I mean? They have the dog right now and that he wanted to still, like, travel the world with his wife and kind of be a couple for a little while. And everybody else as well. Like, why is this bitch, like, putting pressure on them after one year of marriage to, like, have babies? So, like, Vanessa, back off. I just, I didn't like it. It just wasn't that cute. I mean, like, in this situation, Kwame, like, just uprooted its whole life in Seattle or Portland and moved to Seattle with this girl. Except their apartment was sick, y'all. Like, they had such a beautiful apartment with, like, corner views. I mean, come through. Like, they are doing well for themselves. But, you know, but this couple, you know, let them have, like, a couple years. You don't have to have babies right when you get out of things. Just makes no sense. But, like, um, 
the other ones who we had like in this like reunion, Tiffany and Brett. I think these were like the perfect couple. They were they have the most Lauren Cameron from season one vibes, where they just feel like they were most meant to be. And she just felt so secure in who she was, and he just really loved her. It was really really cute. Uh, Bliss and Zach, I just talked about them for a second, but I do feel like they're going to like last and, and whatnot. The whole way that he handled Irina when she was like sitting there, the fact that Irina showed up is commendable and it made me like her a little bit more, but she just, she was giving a lot of excuses as to like, yeah, cause I have anxiety and blah, blah, blah. And I just wish she would have said, I checked out. I didn't like you. And this is how I was just acting. You know what I mean? Like, if you just kind of, like, own that behavior and just be like, I was being a bitch to be a bitch. Sorry about it. But, you know, she had to, like, get on her pedal bike and backpedal and and try to make it, like, okay because everybody in the world is treating her like absolute crap because, you know, everybody wants to jump on a bandwagon. And even though, like, Zach, I mean... Zach is cute enough, and he's but he's just not somebody who I would go for. Like, his mouth is always a little bit open in the way that he's always staring. I know that's something. Um, and then, okay, the Marshall situation. So Marshall showed up, but Jackie didn't, and neither did Josh. Jackie and Josh, you know, so Jackie and Marshall were the two that were together. She was like the lioness who I knew was going to rip his heart out. Probably can go back a couple episodes here on the pod and listen to what I said about her. But um, I knew it was going to come through this way. I knew the cookie was going to crumble like this. And she did not disappoint. She was good-ass TV. The fact that she did not give that ring back to him, uh, number one, probably because the rings were paid for. They were sponsored by Love is Blind. So why is she going to give away something for free when she just pawned that? Uh, so I get it. I get why she kept it. You know, she meant it when he said, <laughs> let's get married. And she said yes. And so that's where she was keeping it, even though she has since moved on to Josh, somebody else that she met in those pods. And those two are still together to this day. So that's something that's kind of cute. But um, at the same time, it was just kind of rude. Micah is single now. You know, Michael and Paul, they did not get together. That final wedding situation when she was ready to marry him, but she looked at him and said, I'm not saying anything until you do, because she knew he was going to say no. But she did the thing where she brought him around her friends, and she showed him where he ranked when it came to friends and family and everything. And so family, friends, then him. And there's a certain thing that has to happen when you get into a relationship is that your partner, you at least need to have their back. So when that bitch was like, I said that bitch, I'm sorry, you guys, I'm just, I'm hated, I guess. Um, But when she took him home, you know, and like introduced him to that Shelby, and I've talked about Shelby already before on this show, um, but Shelby just... You know, you're too you're, you're too articulate. I'm so sorry. Like, what the fuck is too articulate, you stupid idiot? And then at the actual wedding, at the end of the wedding, like when the wedding happened and Paul says, you're not for me. We're not going to get married. And this girl takes off running. Her friends sit there and are like, yes, 
I knew it. This is great. And they didn't run after their friend and make sure their friend was cool. If you are her bitch, if you are her dog, if you are down to have somebody's back, the moment your friend is practically left at the altar and they go running, go after your friend. Be that girl. Like, go and, like, do you need anything? Do you want me to keep him out of here? We'll let him in for a moment. You know, I mean, like, if you're going to be a watchdog for your friend, you need to be a watchdog all the way through. Period. I just don't like how she handled that. Shelby, you suck. Sorry. Um, but that's that whole thing. And, like, Paul also, I don't know. He just was so likable throughout the whole series. And then at the end here, he just kind of, like, threw all of his likability out the window, especially with you were with this girl, Micah. She's cute enough. All this. You have these little issues. But at the same time, like, your families get along. And he... I don't know. I just have a whole thing that if you say that somebody is supposed to be your person, your partner, your whatever, and if you aren't going to have their back and stand up for them, it works both ways. And I don't think that he really had her back so much to speak either. But it's just whatever. Um, these are fake people on TV, and this situation happened a year ago, so we don't have to get fired up or heated about it. But these are just my opinions. This is how I'm feeling. Um, let's bounce over real quickly to some Bravo stuff. And the Bravo Spear. Okay. Um, Real Housewives of New Jersey. Right now, you guys, I'm over it. I know. I know. I know. I try to encourage people all the time to, like, watch my shows and do this and that. And in this situation, I'm completely over it. I don't want to hear about Teresa and her brother and the fighting back and forth. And we've already know that Melissa didn't come to the wedding. She wasn't a bridesmaid and everything else. And we're seeing it all kind of like unfold, but it feels like old hack. And we've seen it over and over and over again. It's not like the situation that's going on over at banner pump rules where they have a decent season, but it's even better because we're watching it, like watching for all the Easter eggs and all the little things about Scandival that are coming up. And this last episode of Vanderpump Rules did not disappoint. Um, they really did like come through with all these like little nuggets, the way that, you know, Sandoval's like Raquel, 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 you know, and like um, and the whole these these footage that are coming out of like Raquel and Sandoval and Ariana like in like a hot tub and like Ariana's like we look like a throuple blah 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 and it's like well not really you're on the outside of the throuple girl um but it's like you're getting all these like little nuggets the thing that is just crazy about the Vanderpump Rules situation is is that okay so if you guys have started watching Vanderpump Rules they have like little cheat sheets out there so you can watch like the like 10 episodes to like get yourself into like what you should know about this season how it's all like breaking down because it has been very interesting they really did breathe a lot of new life into this but the thing about Vanderpump Rules is there's not one good guy on the show okay like everybody is kind of trash like everybody has cheated on somebody everybody has done somebody wrong everybody has lived their life for themselves very selfishly. That's a Vanderpump Rules, like it's a staple. It's an LA person, you know? Um, but what I think is going on this season is Sheena is winning the season. She's the most delightful one to kind of watch. Even though she's a bride, she didn't become like a bride. Zilla, this whole thing with Lala Kent 
being triggered around Raquel because he reminds her of the guys that or the girls that her ex Randall, that gross, disgusting man used to bring around and you know what I mean? And assault and whatnot that she's saying that that's the kind of girl that Raquel reminds her of. And that that's why she's thinking. And it's like, girl, you showed up for your friend's wedding. You know, on a destination wedding, there are certain events you need to attend. There's dinners, there's rehearsals, there's actual, there's, there's brunches, there's this and that. Somebody went through the time to organize it they put in how many people were attending so they are paying by the head when it comes to plates of food and everything and for lala to play this little game because her other friend katie is there who was invited and got disinvited from the whole thing and still decided to show up and the reason why katie is there don't let it get it twisted is because katie wanted to get paid if she would have went to another resort or if she would have stayed home there is no guarantee that the cameras would have been following her and she would have had less of a paycheck. So she knew that going to this vacation where a wedding was happening was going to spell out more airtime, more cachet, more cashola. Okay, that's why this bitch went to Mexico with everybody. But um, I don't know if you guys are watching. I... I don't know if I'm going to watch any more of them, but I did watch one episode by accident because it was on Peacock and it just started up right after I was done with the Vanderpump Rules, is that they're doing these new watch sessions with Brittany and Jax, former member, former cast members of Vanderpump Rules. And all it is is Jax saying that Tom Sandoval smells like cigarettes and coffee and he thinks that he smells and like that he's like... he talks a lot of shit about Tom Sandoval the whole entire time because like for some reason if Tom Sandoval is a bigger piece of shit than than Jax isn't but it doesn't go that way it's just like one piece of shit calling another piece of shit a piece of shit that right there was poetry guys I'm just I'm gonna leave it right there on the table but anyways it's like a, um it's a whole thing that goes on with them and so they just you know whoever else has like a sin is like gonna cover up the other ones but everybody is dining out right now on this whole scandal that everybody's cachet from the show past or present character they are all like you know cashing in so now like Stasi's going on tour with this mommy dearest tour that she's doing and blah, blah, blah. like I don't know exactly what that is gonna entail because she's not like really a comedian so she's gonna talk to the audience about spooky things and I don't know, but um, it's not a ticket that I'm looking for, but I will be going to um, <laughs> see Jinx Monsoon, but I will not be seeing Stassi Schroeder. Uh, but, oh, tickets. Let's talk about that. BravoCon has now moved coasts. It is now going to be in Vegas this year in November. I was looking at the dates. I think it's like November 3rd through the 5th. Uh, it's going to be in the Caesars complex over there. So, and Caesars is now like $300. Uh, no or something like that for like a crappy room so it's just telling you right now that like something is happening out there i'm gonna look right now as we are talking um to see like the flamingo las vegas and i just kind of want to see what their room rates are during BravoCon because it's right across the street from caesar's palace and usually they have like the cheapest room rates but I bet you, like, because they're part of the Caesars whole entire situation, I bet you their prices have, like, went way, 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 way up. Okay, so real quickly, let's look. November 3rd through the 6th, okay, for a room at the Flamingo Las Vegas. Right now, those rooms that are normally 29 to $50 
are going for 258 268 and higher. So if you are planning on going to BravoCon, now is the time to jump on your room situation. One of the things about the about the uh, <laughs> about the Flamingo is it's like one of those hotels that's like not that new and all the rooms are kind of like wrapped in plastic so like you can like really go to town and just wipe everything down after that's just a thing um i don't know what go to town means but you could just take that for whatever it's supposed to mean uh okay you guys i've been talking to you guys for like 45 minutes about a lot of everything and a little bit of nothing so uh before i wrap up let's just um go into i did go to ohio recently lots of fun oh my god it was for Easter and whatnot. The Claw was happening, Claw Weekend. If you want to know about that, DM me. I'm not going to talk about that here for free. Um, but if you want to talk about other things, um, so I did get to see my nephew. Love it. Uh, you know, I've talked about him in the past, that he's on the spectrum and whatnot. And, like, he, his vocal, his, his, uh, he's now talking. He's becoming very, very vocal, which is, like, absolutely amazing. And even, like, six months ago, he did not have the vocabulary that he does now and just kind of comes out with things. And it's just, it's beautiful. It's miraculous. And it shows the work that my parents are doing. So it's uh, it's kind of amazing. So if you do have somebody that's in your life that's on the spectrum and everything, my heart is with you. And, you know, look into help. You know what I mean? Like we had early intervention in our family and that we were able to get him into a little institute over there for children on the spectrum and they're working with him and that, uh, and we've seen some major differences, but so it's pretty cool. I got to spend an Easter at home. I have not been home for Easter in probably my God, almost 20 years. So it was like a nice little situation. I had some ham, I had some rice, ham. Um, and you know, just kind of like hung out at home. I did get to go to a, uh, country club when I was home. Miss Annie, who usually is one of our uh, friends of the pod, she had her birthday party, and it was so much fun. It was very chill. It was in like the wine cellar at this country club. I know, she she. Um, and then after that, we like went up to like the cigar lounge. I know, she she. And then we had chicken tendies out on the lanai. I know, she she. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it was cute. It was a nice little experience. Um, that whole Avalon Resort and Country Club has really stepped their game up in Ohio. And if they live closer to my parents, I would totally probably take the effort and try to like stay there here and there. Um, but it was a good time. So we'll talk about that more in the future. I'm going to just leave it off here. Thank you guys so much for tuning in to another episode of Bald and Bingeable. We will be back very soon. I will be dropping a special little nugget here next week. Um, it won't fall in place of the regular episode. It actually is the recording that we did on April 2nd with Glitz Glam for GGTV over at Moe's Bar and Grill that we did for the Remembering Joe Whitaker episode. So uh, I'm going to drop that that here on our feed as well. But if you want to, before you guys, if you guys don't want to wait for that, and I would encourage you guys to go over to wherever you listen to podcasts and go to GGTV, GGTV, the podcast, and uh, 
and download it. We, you know, become a subscriber. You can listen to the most recent that episode that we did together. But she's back out there. She just shot. She just uh, recorded something else. There's episodes in the past with like Chad Michaels and with Pangina Heels and all kinds of things. So it's a great pod. I do want you guys to put your ears over there. Glitz Glam, another friend of our pod. But go ahead and listen to Glitz Glam's podcast. And um, you guys, let's just go through it real quickly. My cr- my crush, my person, my place, and my thing this week that we are completely loving. You know, my crush right now is still Pedro Pascal, you know. But right now, he's not, like, front of mind because he's Mandalorian and, like, he's wearing his, like, little helmet all the time. So my person that we are going to completely give some flowers to this way that's going to be my crush upon crushings. Um, let's throw this at Dr. Carlton this week, okay? He's going to be our crush because, you guys, the – what's it called? The New York Times actually featured him in an article about how gay men saved us from monkeypox. And so go find that article. Go find him. So, Dr. Carlton, you are the crush of the week. I know you guys – you love that. Uh, so that's the crush, our person. Our place that we are going to crush on right now is – you know, I have to give it to my bed. I have undervalued sleep. And this week I have, with all the travel I've been doing, and then I had like a morning event. I'd be up at like 5 o'clock in the morning and all that sort of thing. So I'm going to give my bed my favorite place. And you guys, I have one of those beds that's just like comfy, pillow top. I got my sheets. We change the sheets once a week. That's that's mandatory, okay? And that's mandatory for everybody. You guys need to be changing your sheets at least once a week, Okay. Um, and then I have my blanket, I have my duvet, I have a quilt, and then I also have like two throws. I know I'm obsessed and I'm sick, but I'm also very comfortable and very princess in the pee. So my bed is my place this week. So we have Dr. Carlton as my person. My bed is my place this week and my crush thing. Okay, you guys, it has to be puppy bellies. My little baby Sadie, my little baby doggy, she's got this little like cow pattern on her belly and it is the best thing. It's so squishy, it's so soft, it's so warm. And it makes me feel comfortable. So give me some puppy belly in bed and I'm all good to go. Okay, I don't know. I'm just ending this right here. This is just weird and we are just rambling now. So thank you guys so much for tuning in to another episode of Bob and Digital. I love you guys all. Thank you. Please do like and subscribe everywhere that you guys are watching. Do your patient service and tell a friend about Bob and Digital. And keep your ears and eyes peeled because we have some new projects coming out pretty soon. Good night from the lower level. Good night from the lower level.